0: You know, this time of the year that we we celebrate in so many ways and we think about um, how we react to the world around us, it is the people that we love closest to us uh, and spend our time together with most of the time that seem to suffer at the things that we do that are not quite right. Love the ones near us. The hopes and fears of all the years. You know, the Carol Old Little Town of Bethlehem was uh, written in 1868. That was three years... After Phillips Brooks had actually been on a trip to the Holy Land where he sat on a hillside overlooking the little village of Bethlehem below and when he got home 3 years later he writes this beautiful hymn that we sing at Christmas time that contains those words the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. Now when Phillips Brooks wrote those words he was thinking of the fact that when in the birth of Christ all of our hopes and all of our fears and concerns are handled by him. But today, the words, hopes and fears of all the years, equally describes a lot of families and their approach to the holiday. All the memories of all the years, we keep hoping that this will be the perfect Christmas, and we're afraid that it won't be. The hopes and fears of all the years. You see, for all of their joy, the holidays bring added stress, especially to those that we're supposed to love the most. Have you noticed Have you noticed that for people we don't know very well, we put on a happy face and pretend like everything is just wonderful and glorious, and with those that we love the most and we spend the most of our time together, the people who are nearest, why, we could make the Grinch look like a party animal the way we treat them and act. Now, why is it that way? Well, part of the reason it's that way is because we are comfortable with the people that are closest to us. We're comfortable with those that we love, and that's a good thing, until... Until it it becomes something uh, wrong, and, and, and I want to show you some of the reasons why it is wrong for us to unload on those that are closest to us and that we love the most. And these are the things that come out of the holiday season that we need to learn how to deal with. And the first one is simply this: unfulfilled expectations. Unfulfilled expectations. Years ago, Glenn Campbell recorded a song that you'll hear wafting through the mall as you're shopping or you'll hear it on elevators. And the uh, the song ends with these words, Christmas is for children, but aren't we all children Christmas Day? Now, now that's the rub. We all go back to our childhood and to our favorite Christmas, expecting every Christmas morning to be as wonderful. I remember as a kid spending Christmas Eve with my grandparents, my aunts and uncles and cousins, and thinking it was just the most wonderful evening of the year, that it was perfect. Now, I'm quite sure it wasn't perfect, but to a child, it seemed magical. And, and, and we do that as adults, we grow past, and, and then when you look back, you're not always thinking clearly, because you don't remember the bad stuff, you just remember the good stuff, and you want every Christmas to simply be perfect, and consequently, we feel let down and discouraged and disappointed when it isn't perfect, and then we take out our frustration on those that we love the most. We dump our disappointment on the people we're closest to. And a lot of it just grows out because we've got unrealistic expectations that become unfulfilled expectations. Here's the second thing. Just stress. The stress of the holidays. Think of everything that happens in this last month of the year. Traditions to keep, and holiday movies to watch, and names to draw, and gifts to find, and purchases to make, and lights to put up, and trees to decorate, and nativities to set, and toys to assemble, and sugary goodies to bake, and cards to send, and presents to wrap, and guests to invite, and parties to enjoy, and church events to attend, stockings to fill, and family to visit, and used wrapping paper to pitch, and dishes to wash, and unwanted presents to return, and dry needles to pick up, and decorations to rebox, and lights to take down, and twice the trash to throw out, and the spoiled leftovers to feed to the neighbor's dog. (laughs) Just reading through that list is exhausting to me. Is it any wonder that under the best of circumstances, the holiday season from Thanksgiving to the new year is a stressful time? When Charles Dickens wrote his classic book, A Tale of Two Cities, he opens with the line, it was the best of times and it was the worst of times. Well, given our frenetic holiday pace that we keep, it would have been better if he'd opened the Christmas carol with those words, because most of us live through the holidays as if it's the best of times, but it's also the worst of times. And when we let stress overwhelm us, that's when we get crabby with the people that we're supposed to love the most. There's a third thing I think that enters in a lot of times to this and that is just sheer resentment for all of the joy that many families experience. There are those among us for whom the extended holiday season is difficult at best and depressing at worst. For some, it is resentment that grows out of the tough times. If you are out of work, if your marriage is struggling, if you've got a family member that is dying of a terminal disease, if you're a widow or a widower, you may battle with a resentful spirit. When you look around and everybody else seems happy and excited because of the holidays, and you're not happy because of the holidays, it, 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 it's easy for you to be bitter about those who seem to be having a good time. And if you aren't careful, that bitterness becomes a way of life and the family that you do still have and the friends that you do still have may not want to be around you because they sense in you that bah humbug spirit that nothing matters. One study I read suggests that as many as 44% of women in the U.S. suffer from holiday depression. Depression through the holidays and then the letdown and the blue days that follow when the holidays are all over. You see, when you deal with disappointment and resentment and bitterness and depression, it makes it hard for those who love us most because those are the ones that get the brunt of our frustrations. So, here is some spiritual wisdom on loving the ones near you at Christmas time some spiritual wisdom on dealing with some of these issues that we've, we've just been talking about. And, and I will say right up front that I feel just a bit hypocritical preaching the rest of this sermon because I'm not real good at, at managing what I'm going to tell you you ought to manage. This is one of those sermons I have a hard time practicing what I preach. I feel like there's this battle going on in my brain that half of my brain is saying to the other half of my brain, you wrote this sermon just for me, didn't you? And the other half is saying, yes, I did, and you better listen carefully. <laughs> so I wrote the sermon for me, You're welcome to listen in if you want to, okay? Here's the first thing. Keep it simple. Why is there so little in the Scriptures about the birth of Jesus? Why was He placed in something so simple and ordinary as a manger? Well, I I think there are several reasons for that. I think one was to demonstrate the unlimited nature of God's humility. I I think it was to teach us that God is able to empathize and relate to even the lowliest among us. I think it was to draw a stark contrast between the glories of heaven and the grit of a feeding trough. But I think there's another lesson to learn, and that is that God is communicating to us that He's okay with simplicity. God's good with simplicity. You see, we don't read about a barn, or a shed, or a lean-to, or even a cave. It just said that Mary wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger. For all we know, that manger may have been a feeding trough simply in a pinned-in area out under the sky. That may have been it. In other words, the only way that you could have made this more ordinary, the only way you could have made it simpler, was to lay Jesus on the ground as a newborn infant and what loving parent would think of doing that. Part of our problem with the Christmas season is that we've lost the simplicity of it all. Do you ever feel trapped by everything you think you should do? What people expect you to do? Maybe it's time that we become more realistic with our abilities and capabilities. You don't have to do everything that everybody else is doing. And and believe it or not, the holidays don't have to be perfect. And unfortunately, while we try to communicate the true meaning of Christ's birth and the activities here at Sherwood Oaks, i got to tell you, Christmas is not a simple time in the church. And there's something about that that bothers me, that we would ask you to do all these things, even though for the right reasons, that complicates your life. We do that in our homes, too. But there's things that we can do to change that. If you feel just overwhelmed and, and, and that Christmas has become way too complex may I suggest, do less decorating, do less shopping, do less entertaining, do less cooking. Simplify your budget and simplify the time that you expend on all of the holiday preparation. It might just give you a new look at this beautiful time of year. You see, simplicity, I believe, is a biblical principle. Jesus lived it. When he died at the cross, he only owned one thing in this world, and that was a seamless robe. That's it. It's pretty simple. And Jesus encouraged it. In the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6, this is what we read. Jesus said, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet and yet, your heavenly Father feeds them. He takes care of them. Are you not much more valuable than they? When you go home this afternoon, look out your windows and see the birds. They seem so carefree. Their life is so simple, and God is reminding us. Live it simple like that. Don't make it complex or complicated. Live it simple. I take care of the birds. I'm certainly going to take care of you. Here's here's another thing we can do. Not only keep it simple, but get some rest. Get some rest. When you are physically tired, you don't make good decisions. And the holiday season adds not just to our physical weariness, or, or it does add to our physical weariness with emotional weariness and mental weariness. And when you are emotionally, mentally, and physically drained by all of the stuff that goes on, you can't enjoy the season. And when you can't enjoy the season, the people around you aren't going to enjoy it either. So build in some times of rest and refreshment. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I think in the midst of our lives, there ought to be times when you just kind of step out of the way and say, Okay, Jesus, I need some rest. I'm just coming to you to find rest in you. Learn how to say no. This is hard for many of us, but saying yes when you should say no can leave you feeling resentful and overwhelmed. You know what I mean? You, you feel like you're obligated to say yes, you really want to say no, but you go ahead and say yes, and then you are angry and resentful that you said yes. And I'm here to tell you, when you're resentful and angry, you're no fun to be around. And, and, and I learned that one the hard way. You know, you feel like you got to say yes. but So, learn to say no so that it keeps the resentful nature gone. And understand this, rest does not always translate into doing nothing. If you said, I want you to rest, sit here and stare at the wall, I'd go nuts because that's not the way I'm wired. That's not restful for me. Restful is doing something that that is refreshing, that is restorative, that is something that you want to do, that energizes you. And I don't know what that is during the holiday season, but maybe it's time that you stop and take a drive to look at the lights. Stop and play a game with your family or your friends. Stop and read a book. Stop and build something with your hands so you can step back and say, oh, I like the way that looks. Stop and watch a Hallmark movie. Any Hallmark movie, they end the same way. Just pick one and watch it. (laughs) Do something that's restful, all right, that restores who you are. Okay, here's something else. Take time to communicate properly. I'm convinced that we could eliminate much of our stress if we learn to communicate better. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, again, the Sermon on the Mount, he said, simply let your yes be yes and your no, no. Anything beyond that comes from the evil one. Now, I don't want to take this out of the context of the Sermon on the Mount, but I think that there is a principle here that Jesus is trying to communicate among several other things, and and, and, and it's simply this, communicate clearly, simply, understandably. Yes and no. Keep it simple so that people understand. Sometimes we just complicate it with using too much. And then you got to understand that good communication requires as much of the ears as it does of the mouth. And then you got to understand that men and women don't always think the same when it comes to communication. Now I'm going to give you an example of this. Uh, And this will make sense to all the males in the room this morning, but I'm going to put it on the screen because it's easier if you're reading it than you're just listening to to it. And and this is in the context of a wife asking her husband to go shopping, okay? Here we go. The wife asks her husband, could you please go shopping for me and buy one carton of milk and if they have avocados, get six. A short time later, the husband comes back with six cartons of milk. (laughs) The wife asks him, why did you buy six cartons of milk? He replied, they had avocados. Now you know why I put it in print. Some of you had to go back and read it to get the context. You know, I get that. Most of us guys get that kind of a logic. What I'm, what I'm trying to tell you this morning is your communication or your lack of it adds to the holiday stress. Many doctors agree that the holiday food and beverages that we consume during this season of the year results in fatigue, headaches, stomach aches, intestinal flare-ups, muscle and joint pain, and a general sense of irritability because we're eating things we don't normally eat, and it messes us up. But I'm here to tell you, it's not what we consume, but what consumes us that hinders our communication most. Angry and hateful tones in your communication will often come back to hurt us just as the tones have hurt those who've heard us And as we've noted before, medical science now has documented proof that emotions like bitterness and resentment and anger can cause headaches, backaches, allergic disorders, ulcers, high blood pressure, and heart attacks. Anger is a destructive emotion, so work hard at trying to understand one another and communicate clearly so you can eliminate the anger, you can eliminate the bitterness, you can eliminate the resentment, and it will help the holidays and this celebration of the birth of Christ, when God communicated to us in the person of His Son. When we communicate like that, clearly and understandably, it makes a difference. Proverbs 15.1 says, A gentle answer turns away wrath, oh, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Here's something else. Do something unexpected. One of the problems of the season is the increase of depression in folks. Now, I've hinted at that before here this morning. Some of that is the result of stress. Some of it's the result of resentment. Some of it's the result of that unfulfilled expectations that we've talked about. And some of the depression that occurs in the holiday period may need medical attention. So, if you've got it bad, would you please see a doctor and let, let them work with you? Because it may be deeper than anything you can do you got to come to grips with how you feel. You've got to be honest with how you feel. And you got to be honest with your, yourself. Understand that you do not have to celebrate like your neighbor in order to have a great time. But these things alone won't make much of a difference. And what psychology does tell us and what medical science has borne out is that if you are discouraged, if you are dealing with depression, one of the greatest medicines that you can take for that is to go do something else for somebody else. To get your mind off yourself by helping others. So let me give you some gifts that won't cost you much, but may be the best gifts that you can give this holiday season. Here they are. Smile brightly. Tell someone, I love you. Give something away anonymously. Mend a quarrel. Let go of a grudge you've harbored. Forgive someone who has treated you wrongly. Visit someone confined to a nursing home. Apologize if you are wrong. Be especially kind to someone with whom you work. Give as God gave to you in Christ without obligation or announcement or reservation or hypocrisy. We don't think about the book of Ephesians being a book that deals with the Christmas story but This passage describes the way we ought to be during the Christmas season. Ephesians chapter 4 reads like this, "'Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love.'" Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. If we lived like that all the time, but especially during the holidays, wouldn't it make our celebration much better? And wouldn't those closest to us feel the love? Here's something else. Respond lovingly when things don't go right. When your plans fall apart, when the last-minute changes disrupt your well-planned schedule, when others blame you for something that wasn't your fault, remember to respond in a way that reflects the character of Christ. Don't overreact, don't lose control, and don't say anything you'll regret. Proverbs 12, 16 reads like this, A fool is quick-tempered, but a wise person stays calm when insulted. Remember. Our goal is not to insult those around us but to love those closest to us. Here's the last thing and the most important one. Genuinely worship God. Not just when you're here, but finding times when you can personally and privately worship God. After all, isn't that what the Christmas season's all about? Worshipping him? You see, when we keep Him first, all the rest of the pieces seem to fall into place. Psalm 95, verses 6 and 7 says, Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for He is our God. We are the people He watches over, the flock under His care. If only you would listen to His voice today. Let us come and worship. Just read back through the words of, of the classic Christmas carols that we sing. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Boy, those are words of, of worship. Oh, come, all ye faithful. Oh, come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. Those are words of worship. And that's the heartbeat of Christmas. When you can worship the one that came to us to communicate this undying love. Why? then your Christmas celebration will fall into place in every area, and those who are closest to you will feel your love. And I'm here to tell you that if God can take the unusual circumstances and bring out of them beautiful thoughts and beautiful music like He so often does in life, then He can take the brokenness in your life, and He can turn it around so that Christmas is really Christmas in your heart. In the year 1847, a long-forgotten parish priest wanted a song for the Christmas service, and he contacted a local poet by the name of Capot to write a poem for the Christmas service. Now, Capot was not a a very faithful attender of the church, but he agreed, and he wrote a very beautiful poem about the birth of Jesus Christ from Luke's account and called it Cantique de Noël. But he was not satisfied with just writing a poem. He wanted majestic music underneath it, and so he contacted a composer by the name of Adams. Now, Adams had studied in the Paris Conservatory, but he was Jewish, and he did not believe the story of Jesus and the birth of the Christ in this world. But nevertheless, he agreed to write the music, and it was beautiful. It was wonderful. A few years later, Capot, the one that wrote the words, abandoned the faith, left the church, and embraced socialism. And then the church found out that the music itself was written by an unbeliever to boot and so they banned the song from Christian worship. Some years later American writer John Sullivan Dwight felt that this wonderful Christmas song needed to be brought to America and introduced to our country. And because he was an ardent abolitionist he thought that the song was best used to fight slavery. It was that third verse that would help him advance that cause. Chain shall he break, for the slave is our brother, and in his name all oppression shall cease. And so the, the song first appeared in an abolitionist magazine, and the English translation quickly became a favorite Christmas song of the North during the Civil War. And 40 years later, this song was the first ever heard on the very first radio broadcast ever on Christmas Eve in 1906. This beautiful carol was requested by a forgotten priest, written by a man who abandoned the faith and turned his back on the church, set to music by a person who didn't even believe in the birth of Jesus Christ, was introduced to our culture to help fight slavery, not advance the birth of Jesus Christ and to fight the sin that slavery was, but not... To advance the birth of Christ and yet God took all those misshapen pieces and brought them together in the song that you heard earlier this morning right before I stepped up to preach oh holy night is there a Christmas carol that has more power than that one if God can do that with a song then imagine what he can do with the pieces of your life that seem so disjointed. He'll bring them together and make music with your life. And when he makes music in your life, you will love those who are closest to you.